Welcome to the Women of TBC podcast. You'll hear content from women's Bible studies and other women's events. For more information, visit templebiblechurch.org. I am so excited to be to be able to introduce my friend to you this morning. This is Patty Lynn Weber, and I've been hoping and praying that God would touch her heart in a way that would make her want to teach with us. <laughs> and so he did. And so I'm really excited. You are in for a treat today, and um, I would just like you to join me in prayers. We pray for, for her before she speaks to us. Dear God, we love you so much, and we're so grateful that we are your children, that you're a good father. And God, we, um, we just thank you for what you have taught us already this morning through your word and through each other. And now we ask you, Father, to, um, to just give Patty Lynn what she needs when she needs it this morning as she um, shares with us what you have put on her heart. God, would you help us to be good listeners? Um, would you teach us something? Would you give Patty Lynn um, just boldness, Father, in what you have for us through her today? And God, we expect to learn from you and you alone. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Am I on here? Good. Well, good morning, everyone. <clears throat> this uh, last fall, October 2nd, 2018, my husband, Bob, and I were finally going to the promised land. <laughs> Yay! This uh, journey was the culmination of 15 years of seminary training for my husband. Yes, that took him that long. Countless restructuring of calendars, and it was going to be with our beloved pastor and his wife and 48 other TVC family. So, um, for many reasons, we needed to go. So on October 1st, I dropped off all of my daughter's wedding invitations at the Temple uh, Post Office. And with that, the weight of the myriad of decisions and the details that went into planning that event. They got dumped there. And then I said, I really, really need rest. Oh, yeah, that was also the day that I needed to do the last-minute luggage checks. And so I went home, and I made sure that my niece's trumpet, yes, I said trumpet, (laughs) was going to be easily accessible in my checked-in bag, along with, um, yeah, all of the materials needed to recover four of her chairs. (laughs) And, oh yeah, uh, a Dallas Cowboy t-shirt for her new husband. (laughs) But anyway, these were gonna come out of the bag, checked in bag, easy as pie. I had rubber bands, I was gonna roll it, you know, because it was heavy, thick vinyl that couldn't be folded in the suitcase. I was gonna hand it all to her husband, Osher, in the Tel Aviv airport. And I was going to go for the next week traveling through the promised land with my husband. And then at the end of that week, we would get back to Jerusalem and I would be with Jessica. Well, I should say Elisheva now. 
And we were going to have a nice, leisurely dinner, you know, either meat or milk, one or the other. And we were going to have tea and recover her chairs and talk about the holidays and the summers that she would come and spend with my daughters in my home. And then I was going to get to share with her about the Messiah one more time. Well, as you know, the best made plans and travel happened. We, of course, were uh, delayed in Frankfurt, and uh, I won't go into all the details. Anybody that goes on airline travel knows. <laughs> Uh, we were at least three hours late to get to, into Tel Aviv, and uh, our hotel had this wonderful welcoming dinner for us, and they were holding it just for our bus and the 48 of us that were going to be getting there. And I have a husband who likes to be on time. Yes, he doesn't like it when I make scenes, and I kind of do this everywhere I go. <laughs> And he said, early is on time. It's been his motto as a nice German boy. And I knew that. I also knew that we have a loving pastor who would make fun of me <laughs> the rest of the trip if I wasn't on time. Anyway, we get to Tel Aviv. And it's 20 hours after traveling from Temple to Dallas to, you know, to Frankfurt, to delays to be there, and you're swollen and you're hot, but I knew. I get my checked-in bags. And then this is a little bit different. You go through immigration, get your checked bags, and you show your passport one more time. This is a little bit different than all my other overseas travel because the minute I showed my passport, I was dead set on finding Osher. But I go... He's distinguishable. He always has a black hat. He has, you know, those long tassels for the Ten Commandments. He's got a, a black uh, suit on. No problem. I'm going to find Osher. And I have my passport out. I'm walking out, taking my luggage. And oops, where am I? Here we are. This is what I see. <laughs> okay, I am dead set on finding Osher. And I am focused, okay, ladies? I go, I've got to find him. And, oh, yeah, Elisheva had WhatsApped me. Oh, Aunt Patty, Usher has the worst headache. Can you please get him some Advil? And I'm like, of course. I know the exact pocket in my backpack. I'm here, my swollen fingers. I find Osher. I'm trying to take that, you know, the safety cap, cap off of Advil. It's a little travel one. Your, your, your fingers are swollen. You're trying to get him the Advil. You're trying to hold everything. And you're not allowed to touch him. Oh, that's the other thing, ladies. I could not touch him. So needless to say, y'all can imagine what this all looked like. We did hand off the, uh, the trumpet, uh, and I finally make it onto the bus. I am hot. I am sweaty. I am exhausted, but I'm there, and I sit down, and I go, where's my passport? <laughs> So, needless to say, 
uh, I knew that I was not allowed to hold up this bus, but where did I put that passport? We're going to learn today that it takes faith to enter the rest, and then we labor in the rest. So um, I divided up the passage just into the two chapters, and I'm not going to go verse by verse, but you guys have already studied this, Um, and we're going to see... First of all, uh, he is uh, continuing this argument that uh, Amy has been setting up for us, that Jesus is better than all these other things that they want to, uh, that these Hellenistic Jews that were were outside of Jerusalem, but uh, before the temple uh, was destroyed, how uh, they were needed to cling to Jesus Christ, and the easiest thing to do when you're strif- uh, when you're stressed out is to go ahead and drift away to that which you already know. So what do you go to? You go to those things that are secure, that you know, that because it's been enmeshed in you since childhood. So he starts off in chapter three with that uh, first therefore. And he calls them these holy brothers. He's reminding them of who they are, that they share in that heavenly calling. And he's telling them, you've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. Dead set. Fix your eyes on Jesus. So um, he calls Jesus the apostle. We don't usually think of Jesus as an apostle, but all that means is that he's a sent one. And Jesus was sent from God the Father for each of us. And the high priest. And you'll hear more about that next week. So um, why, why is he telling them this? Well, because everybody loves Moses, don't we? You guys studied him last semester. I mean, who wouldn't? He uh, was the miraculous beginning uh, with his mother, Jochebed, who knew he was no ordinary child. Don't we all know that? And she, uh, she hid him away, and he grew up under Pharaoh's daughter with all the wisdom of Egypt at his disposal, and he became quite arrogant. So the first time he tries to deliver the Israelites, he does it in his own strength, and he ends up with 40 laps in the wilderness. That's the first time. But luckily, God had called him, and then he goes, okay, Lord, here I am. Send anybody but me. And aren't we just the same. We can relate to that. Here I am, Amy. Do not send me. (laughs) Um, But the reluctant servant becomes the great emancipator. He was the manly man. He is the Charlton Heston, and I couldn't put up this muscular guy up here, but y'all can picture it, you know. And we have him for 120 years compared to Jesus of Nazareth. Where was he from again? Nazareth? Really? 33 years and then he died a despised death on a cross? It's easy to go back to that which you know. Well, in Numbers 14, you guys studied it. The Israelites whined and they complained. If we had only died in Egypt, Moses interceded, even willing to die for those ingrate whiners. 
but he couldn't because he was just a man. Well, um, God didn't make them all ash in a flash, but he did give them and Moses another 40 laps in the wilderness. So we get to Numbers 20 when the people whined and complained again, and Moses had had it. Listen, you rebels. And then instead of speaking to the rock, he struck it. Ouch. Really, God? God's privileged leaders do not have the privilege to disobey. Oh, wait, did I already show y'all that? I'm really bad at this, sorry. Okay, so um, he gets to see the promised land from Mount Nebo. Okay, so this is Mount Nebo, and we actually did get it up here. Oh, that's me. Okay, and this here, you see all this green stuff? This is the promised land, and you, you can see it all, but he didn't get to go in with them. Why? Because he was just a man. And um, God's covenant um, was unconditional. The people of Israel were always going to be blessed. They were going to be the people of Israel. But the covenant blessings were not. So did Moses ever make it into the promised land? I know y'all studied it. No? Well, he did, if you look at the transfiguration. Didn't y'all get into that? Yeah, he was there with Jesus, with uh, Elijah. He did, not exactly the way he wanted. He, he wasn't out of the covenant. He was still in the family. But he didn't get that covenant blessing, okay? And that's important to remember. So anyway, Jesus is the better man. He is the exact representation of God, the radiance of his glory, And if you know Jesus, then you know exactly what God the Father looks like. Moses was faithful. He was faithful in God's house, but but Moses was faithful, which was good. But Jesus, of course, is better. Yes, he's better. Jesus was the perfect obedient son. He not only could, but he did die for the sins of his people. He died for you. And he died for me. And then Jesus is the better builder. Moses gave Israel the structure that made them the distinctive nation that they were. They were different from all the other nations. They were to be a representative of God to the world. But, uh, he wrote the Pentateuch. He wrote all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. And these were the most quoted Uh, uh, most quoted in the Gospels. Why? Because Jesus actually fulfilled every jot and tittle of that law. He was, Moses gave him the original structure, but Jesus is the builder of that. And that whole sacrificial system that y'all studied in Leviticus, the whole Levitical priesthood, all of that, that he is holy and cannot be approached casually, All of that holiness was wrapped up in one holy Jesus. So um, Jesus was greater, uh, uh, greater than Moses. He is because he is the son. Moses was a servant in the house. Jesus was the son over the house. So who is deserving of more honor, the builder? The building or the builder? Who is deserving of more glory, the servant or the son? 
Again, the author of Hebrews is warning them that they, the faith that they have in Jesus as the Messiah now is a faith that's going to carry them into the rest of this new covenant. Over and over again, believers are warned they're not supposed to follow their ancestors. We all think we are tied to what our our mothers, our parents, our ancestors did. My mother was a worrier. She, you know, it was her spiritual gift and she passed it down to me. And that's all I can do. And, you know, I could say, you know, in my family, we care about people and relationships more than time. You know, I'm so much better than my mom and my sisters. Well, not all my sisters. One of, most of my sisters, you know, God doesn't care about that. We want to go back, and we don't have to. We have this new life within us. So anyway, we're going on. Uh, we get another therefore, and they, they quote this old song that everybody knows, Psalm 95, and there it says, the Holy Spirit says. Again, the divine inspiration that the Holy Spirit was speaking through David. And they used David and, oh, that poetic warrior, you know. He could Right, I would say he's tied or maybe second place for Israel's most popular person, okay? But it was a, God used the Holy Spirit through David. Okay, so we've got this, and he gives us this stern warning. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Well, I don't know about you guys. Has anybody been to a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah here? Yeah, I see some. Yeah, you've been to a few. I've been to a few. And let me tell you, everyone I have been to, they talk about Moses, don't they? Did they talk about Moses at your... Oh, yeah. Okay. They all talk about Moses and the Red Sea and, you know, they give you all this stuff. But, you know, we all know, because you guys studied it, not only two of them actually made it into the promised land. That was good old Joshua and, yeah, yeah. Now, you see, this, it's talking about why. It's because they disobeyed. They did not believe. They hardened their hearts. Well, Caleb and Joshua saw the exact same things as the other ten spies did. They saw that wonderful land flowing with milk and honey. They even brought back grapes that were so huge, they had to carry them on these huge these poles because they couldn't carry them. They were, um, it was wonderful. But Caleb and Joshua also saw the giants in that land. And only Caleb and Joshua believed, had that faith of being sure of what they hoped for, certain of that which they could not see, and that was that God was bigger than the giants. Surely God will deliver them into our hands. So what does it mean then when it says, if we hold on to our courage and hope, if we hold firmly to the end? It's the doctrine of the perseverance of the faith. And surely this doctrine is the truth that God is holding on to those who truly believe. But you don't need to believe it because I've said it, especially because you hear it from me, because, but because you have studied it for yourself in these scriptures and in other passages. Believe it because you, like Joshua and Caleb, have an informed 
faith. A faith that sees the giants and knows that indeed it is God who is bigger than my ability to hang on. So we talked about it. Moses did make it into the promised land. God's covenant was unconditional, but the blessings of the covenant uh, were, the, God's covenant was unconditional, but the blessings were. So we go back to the old psalm, a song, uh, Psalm 95. And um, we are encouraged again, the believers are encouraged to enter into God's rest. And we're in chapter four now. And uh, it's the um, third, I believe it's the third one, maybe the fourth, third. Uh, Therefore, to remind us that the promise still stands for them, the, uh, the hearers today and today for us. There is this urgency of the gospel today is the day of salvation. There are no guarantees for tomorrow's ladies. When we believe in judgment, and because it will come, today is the day of salvation, but God is coming back. He inaugurated his kingdom when he came the first time. His second coming, he's coming to judge, okay? And when we believe in that judgment, we're going to spend our time building relationships with unbelievers, it becomes a priority in my life, in each of our lives. Again, uh, we are told that this is now the good news, the gospel. And I know you know it, but we need to hear it every day. The gospel begins with God the Father, creator, who made us to know him. We were created to know and worship God, but all of us are rebellious, just like those Israelites. In our nature, we think we know better. Our greatest need is to be made right with God. And Jesus of Nazareth, God the Son, lived that life of perfect obedience to his heavenly Father that no one else could live. Not Moses, not David, not any of the Old Testament prophets. Jesus lived as a man in order to die for the sins of man, for mine and for yours. His suffering and death on the cross was that sacrifice of atonement that we studied last week, the propitiation, that which paid the price and satisfied God's justifiable wrath against sin. He didn't stay dead. He now sits at the right hand of God the Father, and he sovereignly and graciously offers us salvation for everyone who believes. And that's my first truth. It is that rest comes when we realize Jesus has completely accomplished our salvation. There is nothing more that we need to do. We enter into God's rest and there is nothing for us to add to our salvation. So who or what are you looking at to save you? Today is the day of salvation. We now have the next, therefore, I do believe it's the fourth. And we are quoting the old song again. And it says, if Joshua's rest was enough, why is there still promised this Sabbath rest? Well, as I already mentioned, salvation is this comprehensive term, okay? It has a past, a present, and a future. We are saved from the penalty of sin 
in the past. That is done. There is nothing we add to that. It is complete. It is our fire insurance. We are in the promised land, ladies. But it also has the present component, and that is salvation from the power of sin. And we strive and we labor every day. We need the gospel. As we received Christ Jesus, we are told we are to walk with him. How did we receive him? By faith. We must walk with him by faith every day. We need to exercise our faith to believe that he's bigger than every giant we are going to face today. Will you? Will I trust him today? Every day is an active choice to trust him. And then there's the future component, and that's that one day we're going to be free from the presence of sin. Yay! That's why good old Joshua got them into the promised land, and it says that they rested from all their enemies. But did they really rest? They didn't have manna anymore. They had to cultivate the land. And then there were still all these other ites, the pockets of ites, you know, the Hittites, and the Malachites, the Jebusites, all those ites. There's not going to be any more ites, okay? It's going to be Romans 8. For those he foreknew, he also predestined. Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, What? He also glorified. It's a done deal. We're going to be glorified. And I love the way Nancy Guthrie says it in Better Than Eden. It's hashtag, no more tears. Hashtag, my future's so bright, I got to wear shades. (laughs) Hashtag, this is better than Eden. Well, our passage ends with a very familiar verse, and that's that the Word of God is alive and active. It's doing surgery on our very souls. It's cutting down to the bone and marrow, exposing our very hearts and the intentions. So we had that question in our lesson this last week of how has God's Word done this to you? Well, I was also uh, in another study where I've been studying the first chapters of 2 Samuel. And um, it's interesting. Uh, David is finally going to be king after Saul's death. And everybody is trying to get in on his good side. Okay? They see it coming. And uh, anyway, there's these two raiding brothers that murder Saul's last remaining son. His name was Isbosheth in his sleep. And uh, they bring the head. It's this gruesome picture of them bringing the head of Isbosheth to David. It's a hideous, cruel, and gruesome act, and it's for mature audiences only. Uh, and we're thinking, this is so crazy. The lengths these guys went to to carry around Isbosheth's head. You know, and I go, gosh, that's crazy. But then I had to answer that stupid question. And I go, wow, where, how do I self-promote myself? 
Well, then, um, as I whined and complained to my husband, because I'm having to get movers today, it's a long story, but I'm telling him how I worked so hard to set up my in-law's cottage with every little detail for my mother-in-law, and she hasn't even been dead a year, and I'm still grieving, and Pop, you want me to get everything moved? And, and he goes, Patty Lynn, I just get it. You have done everything for my parents. Everything. And all I could see was Isbosheth's head staring at me, <laughs> gruesome and bloody. I had so much help. I did so little when I think of what people did for me. And I got all the benefits. I got to take care of my in-laws. My mother-in-law died in my arms. And I said, I am no better. And that's what God does with his word. He shows us, he gets down to us where we, could, we would never see it. And that's why we need to get into God's word. So... Um, my last principle, I'm sorry, goes that rest comes when we realize that we labor, but that it's God who's responsible for the fruit. And we do. We labor in the rest, but the results are up to God. So, you see, I may have been the first one to hold up the bus and, yes, misplace my passport. It actually was in a very small pocket of my backpack. The pocket was like this big, so it could only hold my global entry card and a visa. But somehow, as I was looking through a sea of black hats, this big passport fit into that little thing. Okay, so here's the thing. We, uh, I didn't know this, but when we got to the Dallas airport, uh, we were told that we have traveling buddies. And you... At all times in Israel, you get on the bus, and of course, the bus cannot be delayed, <laughs> okay? You could not leave, get this, this was nothing I worked out, totally uh, uh, unknown to me, was that the Webers could not leave unless the DeSalvos were on the bus, okay? So get this, it worked the other way around. The DeSalvos would not leave unless the Webers were on the bus. So... Dun, da, da, dun. My traveling buddies was the bus could leave without Patty Lynn, okay? But the bus was not going to leave without Bev DeSalvo. <laughs> I was sure of it. I am still sure of it. So um, I knew that. And, um, and that's, that's true for us today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this passage of scripture, that you will use it to change us. As we uh, study your word, you teach us who you are and what it is that you want us to know. We don't have to guess about that. You show us, and we thank you for that. And Father, I thank you. I thank you that believers have the Holy Spirit to rest in, and that Holy Spirit ensures that the bus is never going to leave without us. And we thank you for that. So although we are not perfect, we know that we can persevere because you are the one that perseveres with us. So we thank you for that. Thank you for each lady here. May we be changed because we have seen you today. Amen.